Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and I have with me today Mr. Teach Hustle Inspired, Dr. Sean Woodley, educator for over 14 years, nationally renowned speaker, author, and DJ. Glad to have him in the building today. So I'm so excited to talk to Dr. Woodley today. And before we get into that, I want to remind you to go to seleducators.com to check out our social emotional learning solutions for school communities, specifically for adults. Dr. Woodley, how are you doing today, sir? Very well, Trey. Thank you so much for the opportunity to join you on your show. I really consider it an honor and a privilege to be invited here, have this conversation and looking forward to it, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Well, I, I had to rock my, my sweater here today. I saw some new colors drop as well. So I might yes, have to one of those one of those Colorado boys and represent out yes. there as well. And, um, you know, I, my objective today too, Dr. Woodley, you know, you're at a place where um, I aspire or have aspired to be and a lot of people aspire to be. You know, it's, it's very, um, they say speaking is one of the hardest professions in the world and, and you are in a position where that's what you're doing all the time mm-hmm. um in the season of travel it's, it's good to see you at home looks like you're you're relaxed what's it like having a national travel schedule talking to thousands of people a day or a week and, and maintaining yourself in that process it it can be very demanding if you let it one of the things that energizes me is that I am on a clear mission. I know what my mission is and I know the impact that the mission has had, is having and will have. Hmm. Uh, I will say this, travel, it seems, and and me at the beginning on the outside looking in, I can't wait to, you know, start jet setting and flying across the country and being here and being on these stages because it does look semi-glamorous, if you will. Mm-hmm. But when you actually get in it, if you ask anybody that has been in this business a little while, it's exhausting. And when I say like the the cognitive demand that it takes to travel, especially when you have to go in multiple cities in a week or sometimes even in a day, there have been instances where I've had to be in more than one physical place in mm-hmm. a day. So I speak mm-hmm. in one place in the morning, I go straight to the airport, wow. hop on that flight and pray that my flight is not delayed and then get to where I got to get to jet get signed in, um, you know, grab grab a rental car or grab an Uber and head on to the venue so that I can get there in time to be prepared and kind of at least just saw mm-hmm. myself, get calm, get in the zone so that I can go and deliver the message to those educators. Um, and, you know, it it's, it's something that I find extremely rewarding. I, speaking was never... I've heard it mentioned that, you know, public speaking is like one of the biggest fears, if not the biggest fear. Mm-hmm. I, I, It doesn't, it's not a fear for me. It's something that actually energizes me. I, for whatever reason, I don't have any problems speaking in front of small, whether it's a small group a workshop setting, you know, 15 to 20 people, or just two weeks ago, 54 or 100 people, it, it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. I... I know that I'm there with a purpose that that I have a message to deliver that needs to be delivered. And so any opportunity that I get to relay that message, it energizes me. So I've come off a plate sometimes and been tired, but as soon as I step into that room, into that arena, in there, it's, it's, it's go time. Whatever exhaustion that I thought I had is gone because the energy is back up and it's showtime. Yeah. 
Um, man, there's so much. I want to interject my own stories, but I'm I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna be patient, and I, I want to keep digging in here. So that that speaking piece again, I feel some kindredness here with you. Do you feel like that's more of a a, a God given natural talent? Like since I was in kindergarten, I've had the gift gab. Or do you think that's something like that energy and that that light switch comes from uh, being a DJ? I, I, I heard you saying, you know, I've been in class all day in the club all night. DJ, and how, I know obviously you're not speaking while you're being a DJ, but you've made the connection between these skills translating to other fields. Where does that gift you think come from? Or now, it's, if it was a gift, it now is a skill, if that makes sense. It does. And I, I honestly think it's a little bit of both. I, I think it's a gift in the sense of my natural personality, depending on the environment, is very outgoing, and I like to be around people, again, depending on the environment. But when it's time for me to, like, disconnect and be more reserved, I can easily do that. But yeah. obviously, when I'm working, when it's time to me and get for, to me, for me to engage in a conversation like this or to engage with people and sign books or a workshop or speaking engagement, I am on. The, the switch is on. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, that gift for me to enjoy doing that and for those experiences to energize me, that is the gift part of it. The skill aspect mm -hmm. of it, in my opinion, is because I, I don't want to say it's a gift for me to get on stage because that almost implies that I don't work at my craft. Right. And I do I work at my craft very, very hard. I also, to that fact, know that some of my experiences have helped shape my abilities when I get on the stage, hence being a DJ and understanding how to work a crowd, hence teaching and working with different types of people at different learning stages and understanding to read body language when somebody's engaged when they're not, when somebody understands what you're saying, when somebody doesn't, when somebody is in the mood to learn what trying to convey to them, trying to teach them, or when they're not and how I need to switch. The analogy that I use when I'm talking about DJing is the revelation that I had is like for me being a teacher and being a DJ, although the professions are not the same, the objective is exactly the same. Because if I'm on the stage or if I'm in the classroom, I'm a source of motivation. If I'm on the stage or in the classroom, I am making real-time decisions. If I'm on the stage or if I'm in the classroom, I need to be able to be a catalyst for energy. I need to be able to receive energy and also distribute that energy. Mm -hmm. And so essentially, regardless of where I am physically, the yeah. end game is exactly the same, in my opinion. And so leveraging those experience of me being a club DJ and DJing weddings and dive bars. I mean, you're talking about, you know, whether it's a kid's birthday party or uh, a dope club in D.C. Uh, they used to have this club called, um, what was the name of the club called? Like Love and Dream in D.C. Like, you know anybody from D.C. or in that area? Like this back in the early 2000s. Like they will tell you like places like that. So I had the privilege to be able to kind of spin at a couple of those places once or twice. And it's it's the same. It's like I'm I'm in there to deliver an experience and I take that experience very seriously. But there's a lot that I had to learn to be able to react to people, to be able to guide my decisions, because mm -hmm. if I were just go in there and have a playlist ready and just play something with no attention to it, not making any changes along the way 
that's a very different experience from somebody who's actually reading the crowd and paying attention to what is working. Let's go here. But also now taking that information and saying, now that I know this about you, here's mm -hmm. where I want you to go. Right, so right. I direct that with intention based on the feedback that I'm getting. Like I'm constantly getting mm -hmm. feedback and making decisions, making on, you know, or based off of, based on that feedback. I, I love that. And I can certainly see, you know, I'm kind of finding another level of facilitation now, too, where mm -hmm. I'm very much an in the flow kind of guy. So I, I do a lot of preparation, but I'll over prepare to the place where if you tell me 10 minutes before the presentation, you need something else. Cool. We'll switch. Let's mm -hmm. let's go. Not a problem. Let's make it happen. But I, I'm finding that I have some clients now, too, with more technical presentations that that want things more scripted, that want things mm -hmm. more by the book, that want things just as technical as the way that they think. And, and that level of discipline, personally, I find hard to find sometimes like, you, you know, it's, it's going to work out. We're going to get there. Mm -hmm if it's not spelled out from A to Z, is that something that, that you deal with or do you feel like it's, um you know, you're, you're a pretty organized, detail-oriented guy and those pieces kind of come easier for you? No, it, it what you're saying makes perfect sense because I am a very big picture creative person and sometimes the, the details can, I find I have to, I have to put, concerted effort into a lot of details and I, I don't say that in the sense of that I just hodgepodge put anything together but I I am more comfortable with bullet points yeah opposed to like a straight script right so I have the bullet points and I know the general topic I'm more comfortable holding that in you know my head and then going from there maybe I'll have some visuals and things but I am not I feel like I'm boxed in if I have to say this is 10 minutes, this is 15 minutes, this is right. six minutes. This is not. I I can't do that because what that does is that doesn't allow me to react to how the audience is engaging. Yeah. So if I say something to them and I can tell that they need me to go a little bit further, I need the wiggle room to be able to do that. Or if I say something and let's just say, oh, they get it, they understand the relevance and the correlation, it's not a need for me to, to keep expounding on that now let's move on to something different and i think yeah. that's that's the work of a good educator to be able to do that you're, you're reading you have to give the audience what they need whether the audience is your students or other educators and, and adults you have to be able to understand and discern what it is that they need and know how to deliver that and so that's why i can't be boxed in yeah. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with that 100%. And, um, you know, I, I think there's, you got to be able to feel the energy. I got to, I literally have to see the people yeah. before I can give you some of the answers to your questions. Yeah. Um, in that moment. And there's a, a, a switch. I, I played football um, growing up. And I think that's where my switch comes from sometimes. And um, even going kind of to that place of travel, there was experience in early August. Uh, it was mm -hmm. a big trip for me. I went to, it was like maybe three, actually like five days. I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then to middle of California, then to LA. With mm -hmm. the, and it was back to back days. Yeah. And Dr. Woodley on the leaving Oklahoma, I, and I'm not trying to be away from family. So I'm scheduling these things tight. You know, mm -hmm. one of those flights from, I ended up in Dallas, ran, you know, Dallas airport, literally mm -hmm. ran through the airport because half the train was broke, scanned my phone, and the lady said, You can't get on the plane. 
Nah, I'm I don't I'm a pretty regulated gentleman if I say so myself, but I wasn't having it then. Yeah. Fortunately, I made it to my flight on time, made it to Cali at one o'clock Pacific, which is 4 a.m. Had to mm. be up at seven and was yeah. on like a light for the workshop that started at eight and so on for the next few days. But yeah. what I, what I've also recognized and recognized moving forward that I have to put different disciplines in place in my life so that I can maintain that schedule and and getting thrown off by a flight delay or not really sleeping that night can affect my performance. So mm -hmm. the strategies and structures I put in place, one of them is a, a daily journal that I use mm -hmm. um, yeah. for seven years just to make sure I got stuff straight. And then another piece for me now is boxing. I go boxing once every week. Now mm -hmm. I'm a personal trainer and I'm, I'm seeing the the, the crossovers. I, I see yeah. myself, I'm literally fatigued right now because I've been traveling nonstop for three months and I see myself making very simple mistakes and it's like yo i feel fine but i'm literally just fatigued my 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 capacity is not what it was and i see the same thing in my boxing training at, at minute 40 out of, of 50 of the the one-on-one -on -one, he tells me to throw the same punches i could throw perfectly and i can't anymore but yeah. i recognize that i'm sharpening my axe and i'm improving can you talk to me about some of those experiences that you faced on the road or, or you know through your journey, then also what what you're doing to to build yourself up to be able to be resilient enough to handle whatever you deal with once you leave the house. Yeah, that that's a great question. Me as somebody who is a father and a husband, being home with my family is very important to me. At the same time, I understand what it is that I was placed on this earth to do as far as outside of my role in my home, but professionally, which is personal for me, but to impact the lives of educators and students. Right. I've, I've built this organization and in building this organization to kind of redefine what teaching and learning looks like in urban schools. And that requires me at this point to travel. And fortunately, I have good structures and systems at place in home so that when I do have to leave, I try my best to make sure that things are done. There's minimal that my wife has to do to make up for me not being here. In that sense, though, however, there are also things that I have to do to make sure that I pour into myself. I also use like, you know, journals and um, planners to keep myself organized to make sure I keep one of the things that I used to do just out of pure habit was I kept everything up here. But putting that on paper releases that from me. So that's less of a cognitive load. When I do get in circumstances where I have no choice but to go from one place to the other and I don't have time to rest, it, it can be physically exhausting, but discipline kicks in for me during the event. And it's almost as if the exhaustion does not exist. As soon as that event is over, though, it comes right back. So mm. while... I'm there, you know, I'm in the venue, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my mind right, whether it's a workshop, whether it's a keynote, whatever it may be, but like the, the zone that I have to be in, it just outweighs any sort of exhaustion. But when I am done, I take that microphone off or whatever it is, and I get back in that rental or go back up to my hotel room, done. Yeah. And I just, it comes back, but it comes back to me 
with a sense of also an accompaniment of relief because I've taken care of my obligation. I know that I've done my delivered my obligation. They can't tell that I was tired. And that's the mm -hmm. point. So I compartmentalize all of that. And I think one of the things that helps me to do that is like I said, I do journal. I do try to, in some ways, keep up as much as possible with my health. So I have a Peloton here at my house um, or when I'm traveling, I try to, I'm, I'm not as good as it admittedly, but I try to get into the hotel facility. Like they have gyms and things like yeah. that, but I'm not as good as with that on the road. Admittedly. Mm -hmm. um, but I, every morning, like I have a bit of a, like a morning routine that I do. So I take my kids to school and then I also have to make sure that I have a green smoothie so that I use that as just some way to kind of like just start right. my day order and putting something in my body that I know is going to fuel it with something that it needs as opposed to something that I just want to have eating just for the sake of eating. So I yeah. think the consistency of me doing all of these things, and I'm not perfect, I miss some days just like anybody right. else, I think that having that sort of baseline and foundation helps tremendously. Mm. The, I, I love those. And I um I want to go back to some of the nitty gritty in a second and, and talk about some like routines for travel and like mm -hmm. home and stuff. Cause I do some of those too. But I think um, you know, there's let me let me do that now. Let me do that now. So okay. when you talk about like um so travel routines, I, I similarly some of, and it depends on like when you're flying in and out. I like to try mm -hmm. to get a salad or smoothie every day that I'm on the road. Mm -hmm. And workout. Those are two things that I try to do on the road. And like you, when I'm home, that's my jam. Getting my son up in the morning, getting him off to school, mm -hmm. and then really compartmentalizing like with my journals. I don't know how specific you are, but I literally the first thing I schedule is family time. So five to mm -hmm. eight p.m. when I'm home, that's family, or until they go to bed. And then whatever my time sign, my son wakes up, so he goes to school. That's for family. And then I get my me time. You know, I have my bedtime and my, my morning routine as well. That's for me. And I've got my work there, whatever. So I keep things compartmentalized, as you said, as well, and try to, you know, pick out my son's clothes if I'm leaving or, you know, do the dishes, take out the trash, whatever the case is. What are some of those types of routines or best practices that you put in place to keep yourself level? Like I mentioned, I, I take my kids to school in the morning. And once I get back, as far as daily routines, if I'm home, then what I'll do is I'll come and depending on how I'm feeling, I kind of go with the energy. I don't really have it scripted per se, but I might hop on the Peloton depending on how I'm feeling. Sometimes both me and my wife, like we, we work from home. And so we might take a, a morning walk in the neighborhood and get some fresh air. And we use that time for us to talk, for us to just connect and be together, but simultaneously get some exercise. Right. And then I'll jump into my office, kind of take a look at my agenda, take a look at my calendar, just double check and see what clients I might need to meet with or what things need to get done, depending on what time of year it is and, and what I have going on. And but I, I do all that up until about 4.30-ish or so. And then it's time my wife usually goes to get the kids. So when they get home, I try as best as I can to detach and just make sure that I spend time with my family until they go to bed around 8.30, 8, 8.30 sometimes. So, you know, whether it's getting dinner, mm -hmm. helping out, just being present, essentially, right. just being present to just be around um, we, I try my best to make sure that I'm not on my phone to, again, 
it's about being present. It's about making sure that I understand, hey, they need help with their homework. They need to make sure that they maintain focus. My Both of my kids in, are in martial arts now. So that requires us to actually go there. And for example, like right now, my wife is currently traveling. So I am just, it, it's all me. It's, it's all on mm. me. So both of my kids, fortunately, with their schedules, they have back-to-back -back lessons, but they're in two different age groups. So while one is practicing, the other, let's get these books out. Let's go ahead and go over these phonics with my daughter. She's younger. Let's yeah. go ahead and make sure that we practice these skills that we need. Let's go ahead and do this math homework. Then yeah. they flip-flop. And then when she is, when it's time for her to, to go and my son, let's do the same thing. Now let's read this chapter book. I want you to read two chapters. Tell me what it was about. Let's work mm -hmm. on this comprehension. It, I, so I try to make sure that I am not, I'm trying to make sure that I am, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, try to make sure I'm a good steward of mm -hmm. the time that I have with them and yeah. being intentional about that time. And then when we come home, we get dinner. Those practices run kind of right up against. So those will usually push, you know, dinner time and everything back, but it's yeah. still, it's a really, really good discipline for them to have. And I'm yeah. really proud of the progress that they're making, but yeah. I also enjoy the time that I get to spend with them because I stay there at the practices, watching them grow, continue to be challenged and to, you know, just see themselves elevate. My son, he's earned two different belts already. He's very proud of that. My daughter's kind of just getting started, but she sees what her big brother is doing. So watching those and being present in those moments is mm -hmm. really a gift. Mm -hmm. um, and I cherish, but again, I'm not able to do it all the time because of my travel. So when I am here, I try right. to make sure that I'm present. You gotta be present for it. That, I, I love it. I've, I've been exploring and having conversations recently about uh, discipline and consistency. So I think both are great and you need, I think if you, if you struggle with either, just I would start with even consistency and having consistent routines and consistent things you do. You know, this stuff isn't rocket science. Like I wanna spend time with my kids. When I'm home, I need to be present. This is simple stuff that that doesn't take. It just takes intentionality to yeah. complete. Um, and so I've been thinking with myself sometimes now too. You know, discipline versus consistency. And so I've I've recognized like this quarter I've been very consistent. I'll wake up on time and I've got my routine. But the discipline comes when I decide: Am I going to open up Instagram first, or am I going to do my routine first? And mm -hmm. a step further, you know, because people don't like discipline or routines or have um don't want to do them sometimes I, I i tell myself i need to do this routine four times a week instead of mm -hmm. every day i'm not trying to do my routine every day today i actually woke up at two o'clock in the morning because i fell asleep real early and i watched the tv show i watched the show at two o'clock and then i started with some work so i'll switch it up sometimes and so being consistent though allows me to understand how to be the best disciplined version of myself. Become your best self with bestself.co. They have 90 day journals, six month action plans, daily journals, gratitude cards, relationship cards, all kinds of things to help you become a better version of yourself. Visit bestself.co and use the code GAMAGE for 15% off your next order. Now I've got um, probably one more question for you here. When it comes to building your business, and, and you mentioned, you know, impacting urban education and changing school reform, part of this is just curiosity on my end. Obviously, there's multiple ways. I had an experience where I was a Toastmaster. Um, I, I went to the World Championship of Public Speaking, and I thought I, was, I thought I was going to travel the world speaking and 
just changing the world. But that loss really humbled me in a way to say, hey, Trey, for me, I felt like I feel like my calling is to be with school still, but to work with the adults rather than the students, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So I do more consulting type of work. And um, you may do the same, but I see that most of your work seems, or at least what's presented is speaking. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it about speaking that is helping you get your message across through your business? You know what I'm saying? And then what other ways are you impacting schools outside of perhaps your keynote message or in addition to your keynote mm -hmm. message, I should say. So impact and then delivery models. That's that's what I'm hearing. So essentially, mm -hmm. the the with the impact, the what I'm what I'm trying to do essentially is to change the narrative and the outcomes for children that are in schools within communities that have been traditionally underserved and under loved, undervalued, under anything that you can think of. So in, in my mind, my intentionality is to work with the adults who therefore will be able to impact the children. Mm -hmm. I am of the belief because number one, it is just, I have no choice. And number two, I see it with a lot of the educators that I've talked to and or work with I believe wholeheartedly that teachers in the classrooms want what's best for their students. I wholeheartedly believe that. Mm -hmm. What I also know to be true is that teachers are not prepared. They're not prepared, they're not equipped. And so when we talk about going into the classroom that you are unprepared to teach, it is inevitable frustration. It is inevitable challenges that for many times, because mm -hmm. we're not prepared with, we don't know how to deal with. And so what ends up happening is this tension that comes, this, this, I don't want to do this anymore. If you look at attrition in education, attrition and the shortages, I am of the belief, and I said, I said this during a training the other day too, and, and people, it, it made sense with the teachers that were there. Teachers are not paid what they deserve. We, we all know that. Hmm. Just deserve much, much more than what we are paid. At the same time, that's not a new problem. That's always been the case. Hmm. But the numbers show that attrition, turnover, excuse me, gaps in filled positions are more abundant than they have ever been before. If you look at it, there's a reason for that. It's because teachers are going into the classrooms further and further prepared from where they need to be to reach today's type of learner. We're still going into classrooms being prepared with traditional methods for untraditional students. And we wonder why that there's a disconnect and we wonder why teachers are getting burned out because you have mm -hmm. teachers that are teaching the way that they were taught to teach. Yeah. Work. And so that's inviting frustration. That's inviting not having success. That's inviting you have your, 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 outliers of course you have those who are just extra resilient but the average teacher does not want to deal with the inevitable frustrations the inherent frustrations of not being prepared and so what happens if they have the option to they leave if they don't they stay there and they give half ass efforts and <laughs> you know that's just the truth of the matter now do i believe again I, I wholeheartedly believe that they want to do better but wanting to do and not being equipped to are very, very different things. And so what I'm trying to do is fill that gap. 
Mm. Because what I understand is like I, I said this the other day as well. Okay, I find it very interesting that in a profession where our job is to impart information into students' brains, we're not taught how their brains work. Like I find that you don't, you don't think that's you don't think we need to understand that a little bit. Yeah. So I focus a lot with what I teach on just making the information relevant through right. culture, through understanding the neuroscience of how the brain processes information, how you divert students' attention to focus to focus on things and get it beyond short-term memory to long-term memory and being able to retrieve that so that now we can de demonstrate learning. See, a lot of times we teach for performance, but we don't teach for learning. Those are two different things. That's that's an entirely different subject. But All right. hey. second question. Um, basically, yes, a lot of what I show like social media wise is delivering of keynotes and things of that nature, but the real work comes like those are great. And those are extremely motivational. I, I like doing them and I get good results from participants and they're extremely motivational, but a lot of the work happens in the workshops where we're doing hands-on work. So we're going through these exercises. We're demonstrating examples of here it is what you do. This is how you do. This is why what you're doing is not working try this instead and we're walking through strategically what good instruction looks like and filling that gap of sometimes what is missing when we're taught to teach mm. Mm. that's simple huh <laughs> right <laughs> that, that that's simple man you you just broke that down um like someone said so it always and forever be broke so I, I I certainly um appreciate I think that's Love Jones right there. That's a Love Jones reference. Um that that makes a lot of sense. And I, I appreciate um your act. I don't have time to we, we gotta have another episode. So I'm just gonna invite you back now. But I'm curious even still to you you clearly have a business acumen, you're clearly multi-skilled and talented, and you've found a great way to balance these things and your depth of knowledge is clearly there when it comes to obviously impacting students, but translating that to the educators in the communities that you work with. Um, do you usually do those in the same day or do you do them separately? Like will you do a keynote and then go work with the teachers or it just depends? It depends. Um, it, a lot of times I'll do a keynote and then get invited back to do more hands-on workshops. Or if I'm at a conference, yes, I will do a keynote and then a follow-up breakout session yeah. to go further in detail with one of the touch points in the keynote. So it varies, but I have definitely done, done both of those. Excellent. Um, I love it, man. This is this is wonderful. Uh, definitely a jam-packed conversation you gave me personally, Jim. This was a selfish episode for me, just asking questions <laughs> that are on the top of my mind. Um, you can go visit Dr. Woodley at teachhustleinspire.com and teachhustleinspire on Instagram, correct? Yep, fire on Instagram. Any other final words you want to leave with the folks before we depart? No, um, just continue to understand that, you know, if you're an educator in a learning environment, it's you you may be unprepared, but you're not at fault. And so just understanding that you're trying to work in a system that was not designed for you and your students to be successful. But what can help you be to success be successful is understanding how those students make sense of the world. But think about how you make sense of the world. Do you want to learn with worksheets and doing things where you don't have the opportunity to collaborate with other people? Or would you rather much be in a in a in a in a fun and engaging environment, even as an adult? Like fun, don't you don't stop wanting learning to be fun just because you become an adult. So right. the students need that too. Keep those things at the forefront of when you're planning learning experiences for those that you serve. 
That's true. Thank you so much, Dr. Woodley. If you like this episode, check it out. Like it, share it on your favorite podcast platform, YouTube at SEO Educators. And of course, you can visit seoeducators.com to find your solutions for adult social emotional learning. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash. Thanks for listening to us on The Dash Podcast. I definitely hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you liked it, share it with a friend, share it with an educator, share it with someone who needs to hear the message from this episode. You can visit our website, seleducators.com, to learn more about our online courses and professional development training for schools and districts. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.